Roger the announcer here, still bringing you the best in hip-hop from the 80s, 90s, and today. Pharaoh Monch will be joining us to discuss their upcoming album, A Magnificent Day for an Exorcism. Hey, look, after four seasons, you should know the deal. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sounds of Take It Personal. Yo, just relax. Yup, yup, y'all know the name, 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 Take it Right now you're tuned in to take it purse, take it purse, take it purse, take it purse. Y'all come here to put y'all up on something, man. The revolution is here. No doubt, no doubt. Yo, this is KRS-One. Checking out the Take It Personal radio show. Yo, check it out, y'all. This is DJ Premier. Yo, yo, what's up? It's Black Thought from the Legendary Roots Crew. And you checking out Take It Personal radio, radio, radio. Yo, check this out. This is Soul Brother number one, Pete Rock. Yo, yo, what's up? This is Diamond D representing Digging in the Crates right here on Take It Personal. The radio, the best in hip hop. You are now checking out. It's your boy Farrell Monch, you already know what it is. I want to give a big shout out to the Take It Personal show. This is Chuck D. This is Flavor Flay, boy. And you checking it out. Take It Personal. So, yo, do that. Right now, you listening to Take It Personal. Spinning that fly shit. You heard, you heard. Yo, what's up? It's Eric Summon and Green Knight Bandit representing the EPMD. Here on Take It Personal Radio. This the truth. Check them out, check them out, check them out. Yo, what's up? It's the artist named Fooly D. Checking out Take It Personal. You're checking out Take It Personal with my people. Y'all care anymore about this hip hop man? Ha 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 What you waiting for? Gotta stab my man, man. Check it out, your boy MC Surgeon. Right now, you're checking out Take It Personal. It's not a game. Take It Personal. Alright, yo, ladies and gentlemen, right now, if you don't know what the fuck is about to go on, this is Take It Personal. With my boy, Philip Flavor, Kevlar, A.A. Ron, Roger the Announcer, and DJ 360 with his stinking ass. This is Take It Personal, and we in the building, yeah, 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest to start off the new year, his third time on the show. He is dropping a new album with the group 13 titled A Magnificent Day for an Exorcism. We have Mr. Farrow Monch himself. What up, Farrow? Yes, peace, peace, man. What's good? Man, 2021. I, I can't believe we're finally in this year and we're finally, <laughs> we're finally going to get your album. It seems like we've been waiting several years for this one. Ah, yeah. Um, I've been working on it off and on during during the hiatus and touring, obviously, before this shit hit. And then when it hit, it just threw things kind of like for a loop uh, with everybody getting together and the, and the finishing touches on it. So uh, that being said... It's done, it's here, and it's coming out. Why don't um, you let people know, because this is not really a Pharaoh Monch solo album, it's a group. So if you want to inform the listeners of what 13, who 13 consists of, how you guys formed, and really the concept behind A Magnificent Day for an Exorcism, just so they can kind of get a little background to what to expect. I mean, it, it's it's always the vibe uh, in the direction I was headed in. It's, it's obviously not going to be too far from what I do. Um, I just wanted uh, the, the the music to feel more aggressive and to be more authentic to where I was trying to go. Um, and I wanted to hire <clears throat> and just bandwidth assassins who kind of understood that temperament with Daru Jones on uh, the drummer, you know, I was kind of saying if, if, if I bring someone into the fold, they would probably be able to have rock chops as well as, you know, I say dealer timing or, or funk timing or late timing or stubble field timing in terms of uh, their, 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 their drumming approach as well as straightforward rock shit. And the same thing with, um, you know, Marcus, uh, funk, soul, jazz, uh, but but um, can really see 
on the rock side and, you know, originally going for like that 70s Sabbath veteran feel, I knew that's what it would require to do that. Another big thing about um, the approach was not only did I want to knock out these records, but I wanted to get out there on the road and campaign like a rock band would, would, would do. And so although we were all seasoned veterans, we all agreed that once we finished, we would get in a, you know, a little fucking van and just go gig, hmm. you know, from, from, you know, festivals to, to bars and just really campaign the album because we feel strong about it. And like, you know, um, we had offers to open up for people. We even had festival dates and we wasn't even nowhere near done with the album, but I was just talking to people about shit and sharing some things here and there. And it was like, yeah, you guys are good bread. So a lot of the approach as well, the, the fervor is like, you, you can imagine like, damn, I would like to see them do this live when you, when you, when you hear the record too, cause it's written that way purposely. And so, you know, that, that's it, man. We were, we were, um, you know, we were all set to do that. And then like with the COVID, we've been finding cool ways to circumvent that. Um, just, uh, you know, the tiny desk and we shot some of our own cool content at this spot in Connecticut that we're editing now just to show people that uh, the transition and that it's uh, actually a band. Cause I know it's going to take people a minute to adjust to that. And um, also that being said, it was important to keep hip hop temperament with the record because the thing that I, I, I miss when people talk shit like this or they try shit like that is, uh, you know, it loses uh, the grit sometimes or or just the, the, the timing that I love about hip hop. And so, you know, uh, it produces the, the same gang of, of of cats, man. It's Knotts, it's uh, Super Ugly, it's Marco, myself, Lee Stone, who's been with me since day one, Internal Affairs. So, you know, um, coming in with the ideas and and manipulating them just to fit into what the album is. So, this shit is pretty sick. Basically, this is a metamorphosis of the matrix. Allow me to morph into Morpheus and escape with metaphysical laws so lost and sacred. They'll transform in front of your eyes and shapeshift. While we find out who the true father of crisis was suffering inside of an economical crisis. Children of the soul, the righteous, turning the black vampires lost and lifeless. And you better protect your neck, and I'm not talking about Wu-Tang or ISIS. They'll pick you out of the crowd of some prices, right shit. Burning cross, water holes, dogs, and nightsticks. Yeah, that's what it used to be. See, they were usually just hanging, nigga, fuck them. Now they don't have the time to decorate the trees, so they buck Yo, uh, Farrah, what's up, man? It's Kevlar, resident Mets fan. So let's go, Mets. We'll get back to that a little bit later on, because uh, we got some exciting ah. times ahead of us. But um, <laughs> yeah, baby. But hey, uh, you know, two years ago you joined us. So back in January 2019, when we were doing like the 2018 recap, and you know, it's great to have you now. It's like this whole thing came full circle for us because I remember a couple years ago we were like, "Hey, what's next for Farrell Mach? What's what's coming up? What's in the pipeline?" And you were teasing us on this. You were like, "Look, guys, I'm putting together something." That is is um, very exciting for myself. It's going to have a little bit of flavor of rock and funk and soul, you know, just like you said. So it's great to see it come full circle. It's terrible what's going on with the COVID shit because it definitely put a dent in your, you know, it sounded like you really wanted that grassroots kind of like, like you said, tour bus and hit up gigs and, and kind of hang out with the crowd and shit like that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I would have ate that shit up. I'm sure all the fans would have as well. But um you know, you got your other options. You're making the best of things through the through the tiny desks and, and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I'm really excited to listen to this album. When When is it dropping next week, right? January 22nd. And we're dropping a new single, the Knox Produce Joint next. It's called Colt 45. Chop the head off of full sight. Who's top of the statue set them ablaze. 
Donald make Ronald Reagan turn in his grave Season discrimination, sprinkle a little sage Add a dash of hatred, eat it and get on stage Chase it down with some poverty, add a splash of the murder rate Regurgitated and spit out rage Sit in a circle of 13 candles and smoke haze Thinking we should miss Christ Christmas will make you a slave Lactose intolerant at birth Never phased by the race for chasing American cheese in a maze In fourth grade I played Scrabble Scrambled the letters in the name Santa Magnified and deciphered the clauses in the game Nauseating, I'm angry Bill Bixby, exorcist, make the president's head 360 Emergency, you should monitor the mercury in your thermometer Witchcraft, immortal, paranormal phenomena The dark side of the truth, no apology Carbon monoxide in the booth, do not follow me We're just gonna keep like putting out music and visuals and shit We got really illmatic animation um, that's another thing that took a lot of time, like um, getting the animation done, getting the visuals done with COVID as well, and travel and time and budget. It took a minute to get all that stuff done, and I didn't want to put the record out until I had uh, cool content to support it, you know, because uh, from from what I can see, albums have been just coming and going in like seven days and i'm like damn like nobody's even talking about that record anymore uh you know what's happening we like we skim through and then you're like that was cool <laughs> you know i'm like what the fuck like why is that and um you know it's, it's, it's this great conversation it's like is 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 it been marginalized and and has it been uh just disposable that we don't hold on to the material anymore? Is it that it, it feels that disposable? So that's another thing, you know, I kept, I would pull back and be like, I want to do this or write this this way or make this or in this song this way with this, um, you know, this solo or this bridge or whatever to help give it a feel like um, difficult to skim through because even the way, the way a lot of things intro you kind of got to let him sit to be like, well, let me see where he's going with this shit before you even be like, all right, fast forward. Mm. Whereas if, if I didn't build a record that way, you know, you, you probably could get to whether you liked it or not sooner. So, you know, this shit is a roller coaster, the songs. And so that's why it took a lot of time to do and write and execute, uh, especially the way we were working, you know, uh, Daru's from Tennessee, and I was flying him in and out or even, you know, sending him music and getting it back and, you know, getting stuff right. You know, we usually talk about that whole conversation about albums staying power and how, you know, it could drop one week and the next week it, it's it's forgotten. Uh, but it kind of also goes back to what you said about the visuals. Your visuals are incredible uh, for 666 and, and Fight Song. So I do believe that the visuals will help a tell a story and keep people intrigued to what this album is and keep them listening. I want to know something though, because I know that these visuals aren't something you just thought of one night and then it came to fruition. These are, these are ideas you've had for a long period of time because of the events of 2020. How many times did you find yourself changing those ideas and even rewriting Versus for this particular album, um, not a lot. Like you know, on, on some on some busted shit. Like a lot of the shit is solid, and it just stood the test of time. Like I was writing the lyrics out today and going into my notes and pulling the lyrics and seeing how old a lot of this shit is, and um, it it, it just took time to to get it all together. And like I said, even like the animator for one of the songs, which is one of the more out there records on the album, it, it took me months to find the right animator to do the type of animation that I wanted. And I combed the internet and combed all my artist friends from art and design. And, and I, you know, people stepped up, but it wasn't right. And then I found the right guy. And the shit is just, it's just insane. It, it didn't take him as long as I thought it would to get it done. But the shit is really what I envisioned it would be. 
and that kind of thing is important. Like even the way the um, songs called Kill, 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 even the way the anim- animation is and the story and the animation, which I wrote, um, I did rewrite that a couple of times. Like, and, and when I say I've been writing, it's like on this project, it's not just bars, it's like bridges, arrangements. Like we had, uh, we had uh, one song where we did a McCartney interpolation. Um, and we had a huge artist on the chorus. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't want to say who it is yet. And, but anyway, we, we wind up having to rewrite the record because obviously McCartney turned us down. I thought they were going to love the shit because it, it came out so insane. But we had to rewrite it, not the bars, but the, the melody and the arrangement, which means I had to change the chorus because we had to change the chorus melody and arrangement. So meanwhile, you know, cats are hitting me up for verses and I'm like, dog, like, I'm literally in the studio, like humming at a fucking piano right now, trying to get this record ready because it was like the last, the last, uh, you know, piece we were waiting for. And so in addition to that, as well as like the script for the, the videos and the script for the animation, you know, it's only three minutes, but it's like, you know, what do you want this to say? And, how do you want it to resonate and what's the vision and how do you get that executed? Um, you know, years past, it would be like, you know, I want to do this and somebody at the label would help you execute it, you know, but now it's like, uh, you got to find the person yourself and you got to get the test and you got to be like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to, can you do more of this? And can you do more of that? So I've never been involved with a project like, I have been with this one, you know, seeing the visuals through and um, being on set and writing the visuals and even helping with uh, the direction and directing on some of the visuals as well. Farrah, I know this uh, was a pretty special project for you to do, something different, something you haven't done before. Did you consider having different artists on, guest appearances? I mean, did you think that that would maybe help sell the record and aside from the actual uh, MCs, did you also kind of craft who you wanted uh, when you were talking with the producers uh, of this record and, and getting the right sound to match your vision? It's just a vibe and things needed to stay in that vibe and sound like I needed it to sound. And um, that that's pretty much it. Like no matter who the producer was, I didn't want to take people out of what they do, you know, because it's life after this. And I'll just get into what, what they do. So, you know, I would kind of like vibe with Marco or vibe with not. So I was like, it needs to be dark. <laughs> it needs to be this. It could be mystic, but it can't be like, you know, some straight shit that you would hear me on and be like, oh, yeah, that's where all my is. <laughs> but um, that being said, I, I do think... The feedback was, yeah, you know, this is what you do. This is, I thought this shit was going to be some, you know, you say rock and people think fucking hair and fucking spandex or whatever the fuck they think. Because, you know, this, this generation, we're far removed from when rock was dope. I say it to uh, who I think will get it. But uh, early on, like my manager and my crew was like, yeah, you know, this shit is you. You are what you're trying to say that this is and if you throw that word out there too much it gets lost just like hip-hop could get lost like we say hip-hop and we have an idea of the fervor that we're talking about but then you get in some circles and it's like oh you do hip-hop music like young shit stain and you know little <laughs> fuckboy and i'm like no nah, no nah, no nah, not like that at all it's like you know and i gotta explain the same thing with rock it's like I casually, comfortably say, yo, it's just rocked out, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, when the levee breaks and fucking hard, you know, dope Zeppelin shit and, and Sabbath shit, but, you know, in the last 20 years, that there hasn't been any sign of 
dopeness coming from that genre either. So what's your point of reference? But I know what I'm doing is a, is a, is a challenge for people. No, and, and I think that you're also in your own head because you're trying to do something that hasn't been done in quite some time. And what I really want to follow mm-hmm. up on is, are you considering, which I'm sure it's gone through your head, are you considering doing like remixes since that's kind of a lost art that when you release singles on this record, possibly allowing someone to just go crazy on the stems <laughs> to just go in and just try to create something that's very rock with your same vision, but yet from a producer's mind, you know what I mean? Right. And, and I mean, that's yet to be determined because again, it's Marco it's super ugly. It's not, and it's Lee Stone. You're talking about, you know, super producers. Yeah. This shit is, so far, everybody's been like, oh, man, this shit's crazy. <laughs> so speaking of the, the reactions, I, I know, you know, uh, you, you played this album for a lot of labels and, and certain artists. And uh, one artist in particular, Nas, was, was I think, uh, taken aback by, by this album. Can you just let the listeners know that experience? Because one, it's kind of cool having two of the greatest lyricists of all time in one room. But the fact that your album is probably on the complete opposite end of where Nas's album is this year. Um, and, but his reaction to like another, to your fellow, you know, uh, comrade, like what was that like? And let the listeners know a little bit about like, you know, when you played this, how the reception was in the room for some of those labels and artists like Nas. Yeah, yeah. Nas is like he 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 put his hand over his mouth and he was cool, like Nas is cool and he said, Yo, hold up, hold up, because I was going to play another joint. He was like, Yo, how long you been working on this shit? And um I know I had been working on it for a few years, so I joked and was like, Nah, I mean, you know, we we just we knocked the whole shit out in like thirty days. <laughs> and then my manager laughed but I knew where he was going and I was like nah I've been working on this for a couple of years and he was like yeah I can hear you know the embellish and all the different you know shine that you put on this shit and different things that are happening that, that let me know this isn't something you just threw together you know in a short period of time so that shit was a big you know big compliment I do think the fact that you did play this for several people and the reactions were like all very similar is kind of interesting for the listeners to hear. When I'm trying was- to think of who else I played it for. I, I, I played the I played the album for App. I sent uh, thought the song I was just talking about, and mm-hmm. he lost his mind. He loved it. It's probably the most sappiest. It's the sappiest song on the album <laughs> but I was surprised he, he reacted that way to it so uh is that the, is that the song yeah, with Bill, really Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so let's talk about this I know again I'm, I'm circling back but I think it's really important and you touched on it and I think we can have this discussion a good healthy discussion what is it that you feel makes albums kind of come and go is it the fact that they're too accessible is the fact that the music standards are different than say in the 90s or do you just feel like artists aren't as committed to a project as they once were so people kind of don't invest the same amount of time and energy or money into said artist yeah i I think it's all of those things for me um I'm a bad choice because I'm, I'm fucking ADD. Uh, it's hard for me to get through records anyway, so I, I will admit that. But I think technically, you know, um, we're in an era where the technical and great bar work and excellence of MCing is at a high, actually. And I think we 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 we're talking about 30 some odd years now of seeing rappers rap to camera visually and hearing, 
you know, the, you calling me and telling me, have you heard this guy? He's really dope. And I listen to him and I say, yeah, he's really dope. There's kind of like a but what else scenario in the seasoned hip-hop aficionados and, and consumers' mind right now. So I think that, that what else is, is important. And I think that's why a lot of people listen to something. They're like, yes, he's still as good as he was and yada, yada, yada. And I got to this chorus and I got to this thing. And then it's these many songs. And then I never have to revisit this again, even with highball work sometimes. And, you know, I wanted to sit back and kind of understand why that is. And I, I, I think it's a lot, man. I think it's melody. I think it's hook work. I, I, I think it's people feeling comfortable. And I think it's people experimenting. I think sometimes you experiment and you miss. Sometimes you never get to, you know, where you want to go. And if you stay comfortable in doing what you're doing for a career either, you know, it's like, oh, he's the guy who's good at this. And that's what it is. You know, that's part of it, too, when you become uh, a veteran in this. And we're talking about, you know, the, the, the guys who've been doing it for a minute. So all of those things are factors to the to the wow and the staying power, if that makes any sense. I mean, you have to take risk. Look at look at Doom. I mean, if there's one person that took a lot of risk, it was Doom and it, and it paid dividends. It doesn't always uh, this particular album may take a, a minute to marinate with some of the organized confusion fans that, that are expecting a certain kind of sound. Uh, and then it's also going to bring new fans that uh, know you from like the ruckus era. And then you're going to have the new people that know you from, you know, doing verses off of, you know, Rex or Ill Bill or, or the Daylight. You know what I'm saying? So you have, right, right, right. I, I think everyone has like these clusters of groups that listen to their music. And sometimes it resonates more with others. And sometimes, you know, it, it may take exactly. a few listens to, uh, to, truly, exactly. to truly appreciate, uh, the, you know, the music itself. Or even a few years, sometimes. Sure. Yeah. You know, you know, Jay. Yep, you mentioned yep, Doom, yep. and uh, I thought that was I thought that was a good correlation about taking risks. You know, and and of course, rest in peace, MF Doom. And everybody was shocked to hear on New Year's Eve that he had passed away, which he actually passed away on on uh, Halloween, Halloween, right? So uh, I'm which wondering, Pharaoh. Yeah. Oh man. So um, I'm wondering if if you have an MF Doom story that you would uh, like to share with the listeners. Uh, to help keep his, uh, you know, legacy alive, right? Just, just going back to the to the legacy of of Doom, uh, just back a, a few steps. I think what for me, what what touched me and why he was beyond legendary is because not too many artists in any genre find their voice like he did and like Sean Price did. You could be successful and still not have found your voice like having success and settling into the to the nooks and crannies of where you're most effortless and comfortable is two different things and why he had such a huge place in my heart is because I know that he was doing what he wanted and it sounded so oh man i'm having so much fucking joy uh doing this but you know as as artists we understand what we're doing like it's not that he didn't understand that what he was doing was kind of off the beating path but it's what the fuck he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it mm -hmm. and to see him grow in that is just a joy for anybody who's an artist in any genre, in any form of art. So the shit was just crushing for me because he was a hero in that sense of being like, um, I've settled in 
I understand who I am, what I am, what I sound good on. And this is what the fuck, I'm not doing this because I don't know how or can't do it any other way. But this is my natural, you know, my, my natural self mm-hmm. flowing over. These are my natural topics. This is what I want to talk about. He just had that spark, right? Right. And my only moment with him was at a show in Paris. And we were leery that it was going to be him <laughs> at the show. <laughs> but it was him at the show. And we had a... a, a a long moment backstage at a table it was kind of downstairs in, in a kind of green room. And we were just discussing the, the, the dopeness of, of doom. And he was just like, yo, really, man, I'm just like, it comes to me and then it's out of my mouth. And, hmm. you know, I'm not thinking the way I used to. And that's when, you know, like Sean Price kind of said the same thing to me, you know, uh, it's just, uh, that that's pretty rough Yeah. because those two dudes brought me a lot of settling and the knowing that the shit exists. Like you, 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 you can reach that, especially in that they were, they were in the second tiers, which is something that Fonte was saying. Uh, on the internet, very cool. unusual, and 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 we champion. You know, everybody's got to champion that. You know, he's I, in the second second stage of his career when he found his voice like that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think that's part of the allure. I mean, uh, I don't think he had success out the box with KMD. Not a lot of people knew he had troubles with the label. Obviously we all know what happened to sub rock. So he had a really long battle just finding success. And when he did, we championed it. We celebrated it because it's a feel good story. It's like a Rocky story. It's like, here's this guy in the second part of his career, who's now becoming one of the most fascinating, like lyricist of all time. He has this, mystique about him and i just think that's what people really got behind and unfortunately with sean price too i mean sean price became sean price years after helter skelter i mean he had such Mm -hmm. a a charisma about him it was infectious when you were around sean p that uh he just became the superstar and unfortunately you know he passed as well but um those kind of artists people can really get behind because one it's relatable. No one goes through life, you know, easy and, and no one has things, uh, you know, especially artists. Sometimes they hit hard in the beginning and they fall off. These guys just got better. And and you know what? It kind of goes back to you. I mean, you had success of organized. Then you had success with ruckus. You know, when that whole indie era kind of had that whole revolution back in the late 90s. And here you are, Strong 2021, doing something uh, that you want to do, putting out an album that, you know, on your own terms. So, I mean, that's pretty remarkable in itself. Farrell, real quick, let me ask ask you real quick, going back to that show you did with MF Doom, uh, did the microphone all of a sudden vanish from the stage after he got done performing? Because word word is is that he was notorious Uh for walking off with the microphone. It, it was a weird gig in the sense that he DJed for himself okay. and did a song or two. And me and Gene Gray kind of winged it and were trading songs and we were on tour together. And so it was that kind of gig. It was a, a magnificent rock star night nice. <laughs> in Paris. Uh, awesome. Uh, off of the Doom news, it's 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 uh, uh, pretty disheartening because it is just your mortality. You start to think about in general, and then you're like, man, I still got to do this this cream record, and I still got to do this song with fucking you know this person. I've never got Kooji rap on the record. Ah, I want to work with Kitten, you know, and you start thinking of all those different things. So 
Uh, yeah. That being said, even though I'm 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 at this stage, like you said, coming from the the the, the organized confusion and lore and and the shine with Raucous and uh, these 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 last uh, records and now this 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 new thing with thirteen. You know, uh, I'm praying that things open up so we could touch some stages. I'm happy people are finally going to get to hear it. And I'm I'm still excited, man, about, uh, you know, about music and the future. You know, it's art. If you were to piggyback with any group to be able to go on tour with, to give you the best exposure, to really have something that allowed the sound that you've kind of been marinating in your head for the last year or two, who who would that be? Well, shit, right now it would be Prophets of Rage and Run of Jewels and Rage and, you know, all of that vibe. See, we put the energy out there so it actually happens for you because I don't know a, a more deserving yeah. man than you, man. So, uh, you know, that would, be a, that would be an amazing bill to have Tom Morello be watching what you do on a day-to-day, to have Chuck D watching what you do, uh, Be Real be watching what you do, Run the Jewels be watching what you do, and I think that audience is perfect. Exactly, you know? man. Speaking of Chuck D, uh, you guys did a song with De La Soul not too long ago, uh, Remove 45. And mm-hmm. you, ca- you caught some online flack for that from people, which is pretty crazy. Uh, you were telling me because, I mean, like you said, how, how yeah, would you was, not was, know your stance? One, two, three, remove, four, five. One, two, three, remove, four, five. One, two, three, remove, been waiting to say this. Fuck you. You suck. It's glue under your toupee. Your father was crew flux. Kevlar body armor. We're ready to shoot up. Televise it. Cause I don't give two fuck. It was weird. Like we did the record Remove 4 5. It's self explanatory. And I, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, you know, my, my uh, Instagram, my Twitter's like, oh, Pharaoh, not you. With the with the Democrats and holy shit, like you believe this shit, like you don't. And um, and I was kind of taken aback going to other artists' page. Like, are they getting any flack from? Like, what the fuck? You don't know? Like, I don't give a fuck about Trump. Like, dude is a narcissist asshole. You can do anything, whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. You know, it was, I was just taken aback by how many people didn't realize my stance socially and social politically in terms of music with all of the records that I've done about police brutality and so on and so forth and how I feel politically about this administration in general. So uh, it was just weird. And, and we were talking, I was like, probably because I tweet so much about sports or probably because I tweet so much and I don't, I don't get into too many politics on my account. People take it for granted. And, you know, and that's, that's an interesting study in itself. And in, in, in the sense that where people have so much alike, but then have been divided in the last four years in a very strange way that I've never seen before, obviously. There's division in the country, but but it's definitely come to a head. So when I stepped out on this this record with Dela, um, it was surprising to me that a uh, few people were were like kind of surprised for some reason. Fuck you! Listen, I would be surprised how they wouldn't know your stance politically. I mean, I think it's a one, two, three, four. It's Chuck D. It's uh, Black Thought, it's Ice-T, and then yourself, and maybe even Kendrick. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think they were just grasping at straws. I mean, look, it could even be like your fan base out of uh, Norway or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Why not be Norway? I'm just saying some strange... We just lost all the Norwegian fan base that we had on this show. So, you know, but uh, that w- that's very strange that nobody would get that because uh, you've always been extremely vocal and uh, in presence alone, in aura alone. I mean, I-, I just, I would never understand that people would, uh, for a minute, think not. You're, uh, you've worked with De La, well, I should say the Spit Kicker tour, you guys were together, but um, 
is there any possibility of you and and the guys doing some work together um, in the near future since you've worked on Remove 45? Um, I think next week I'm going to lay a verse on a song for uh, Beat Miners um, that they're part of. So uh, I have a history with them and skits on their albums and songs Mm -hmm. here and there and things they've invited me to do and um, just, just those dudes when I first started working with them, I, I, I thought I had one of the best work ethics in the game. I prided my, you know, self on my work ethic until I got around those cats and in, in, in studios with them. And I was just like, all right, there are levels. <laughs> there's, there's levels to the craziness of paying attention to nuance and whatever. They're technicians. They're just amazing at what they do. And then the, the the live show and the tutelage I got from them at being on tour with them has been a big influence on me in so many ways. So any chance I get to work with those dudes or with them, it's, it's a no brainer. Spit kicker tour, man. That was, uh, that was a great show. Jay, Jay and I actually, we went to that together. What was that? Like 2000, 2001? Uh, sounds about, I think 2000. Give us, like give that. us one, give us uh, one or a couple, however many you want to share, but quick uh, stories that will just, everybody will get a kick out of from that tour. Uh, from the beginning, uh, we had a giant meeting in a boardroom at Burt Padel's office in Manhattan, accountant to the stars from back in the days. And we put it together. We, we put it together as well as we could. You know, the, um, the Up and Smoke tour, Dr. Dre's tour was going on around the same time. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. um, you know, they had uh, the big production and the cars on stage. So not because of them, but, you know, we too was like, oh, we're going to have a rotating turntable set um let's get biz to you know bj the set and the you know the artist will come out this way everybody will be prepared in this way you know this is going to be we're going to run this shit like clockwork and um you know i remember internal affairs like water for chocolate daylight's record uh believe talib was it Talib? Talib was on that and Biz was uh, was DJing and Biz was coming out and so one of the things they implemented in the meeting you know was that to, to wrap up the show Biz would finally come out and do You Got What I Need as an encore and then they would bring me out again all over again to do Simon Says the second time and everybody would have like super soakers and shit like that. And we would just sweat mm-hmm. the crowd and go crazy and run the crowd and stuff like that. It was really, really, really well put together. You know, people still talk about that tour to this day because uh, we got some memorable albums and moments at the time that that tour was going on with with Simon and Common Record and the album and the Daylight Record and Qua. It was, you know, nice moment. I was gonna say it was it was definitely a good time in hip hop, and I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember that, uh, Kev, it was in the Sunrise, which is technically like Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, Sunrise Amphitheater. And you know what, dude? Up in Smoke Tour didn't have shit on you. Yeah, maybe they had fucking cars on stage. You guys had a shirtless Bismarck key on stage. <laughs> that fucking trumps that shit any day. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You laugh, you, you, you laugh, but I know people who went to both both gigs. And I, like, did, I did, I did. And I'll take Spit Kicker 11 yeah, times out yeah. of 10. Uh-huh. Kev always hated the white 
towel being waved at the other concert. So yeah. Yeah. Was, oh, dude, yeah. you and guys was, put on a good. fucking show, man. You know, it's funny, you guys. You guys put your put your skills on on display. It, it wasn't like a, a, a Jerry uh, Bruckheimer production. It was a heart and soul production, dude. No, it's funny. We're all talking about the past, and tonight's show really is about what happened in 2020. And I think it would be real interesting, not only that we were talking about your record and its post-apocalyptic effect on the world of hip-hop and rock, but what were some of the acts that kind of stimulated you know, your senses this past year that made you kind of you know, maybe put a a little question mark above something and say like, you know, this guy's doing something different or something that just tickled the fancy, you know? Uh, nothing. <laughs> None of that shit. I didn't listen to nobody. <laughs> I didn't. Great answer. Um, I think you gave us the same yeah. answer two years ago, Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah, that, that, that was a Sean Price answer. Is that because yeah. an artist like doesn't want to be influenced while they're making their own album by other music or yeah, is just- especially by my favorite my my favorite um my favorite artist i mean towards the end black thought was sending me like five songs a fucking week of <laughs> like bar bar magic robotic fucking <laughs> cyborg fucking insaneness um i got a joint with him coming up on one of his projects I, I just would like to say that, like when I when I started, though, five years ago, thinking about what what this would be, trying to forecast, you know, my my um, co-producer and everything, Lee Stone was like, you know, a lot of times, you know, Farrell, you get too fantastical with shit, you know, this shit needs to be laden in reality, and um, you know things that people can relate to a lot of times with your bars, you just, you know, you get too mystical, magical. And, um, you know, that shit goes over people's heads. And, you know, I took note to what he was saying, um, and, and applied a lot of that in the reality, but kept a lot of the, the, the trying to forecast, you know, the, the hypnotical gases, the fucking, you know, the kind of a lot of shit that I'm known for. And um, I was just having a conversation today, you know, talking about 2020 and 2021. You know, when, when you look at, you know, because the album is about going against the, the energy that I feel right now. And it's very fucking archaic. It's low vibrational shit that I'm feeling from, from, George Floyd to you can name any any amount of topics the fucking virus and all the shit that's going on a lot of times from the musicians they look for us to come through with with love and and this kumbaya fucking hold hands and 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 they go fucking low we go and this album is just like fuck that this is voodoo this is vomit this is curses and, you know, I, I, this is to fight, you know, we've been hired to fight that energy. And, you know, I'm looking at a post today, and, and you may think this shit is fantastical, but the, the guy is doing the white supremacy sign and the capital, and it's, it's real energy that's happening right now that's just like, yo, like, if you ever wondered what was our end game, you know, this shit is not covert anymore. And, you know, we don't, we don't want you and we don't like you. And that's just pretty fucking evil mm. to conspire against uh, women, gays, black people, or whatever you, you, you might have in that sense. And so, you know, where once the shit might have been like mystical shit. I don't, I don't think it's that anymore. I think we're in that reality right now. And I see a lot of people saying like, the future is now. Like this shit is that fucking weird to me. It doesn't, it doesn't feel great. 
the old world is bubbling up and we've come so far collectively and it's like we almost don't know what direction to go in because the old world is bubbling from the fucking the depths of shit and it's like we almost don't know where to go you know what i mean cuz there's the progressive people who have tried to bridge everything for the past you know 20 years and make things great uh amongst each other and then there's the old world trying to you know hold on to what once once was and they have a voice after the last 20 years of being silent. So it's a very strange, like, you know, claiming of the land, you know, back into the old days. It's fucked up. It's weird. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, weird. and then just for me, I, I just, you know, some people might say different. But just 30 years ago, yeah, I just thought we would have evolved a bit past this. The, the the you know well there's the, like a, a lot of the conversation just seems yeah. archaic to me and I'm just like I can't believe we're still having this fucking right discussion yeah and but, it you know it doesn't help when every single person on this planet has their own microphone through a Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and everyone's and that got just, an and that just muddies the waters even more and just it's just agreed so fucked up i mean dude, my kids i gotta talk to my kids about things that like i never ever ever wanted that to talk to you about and, and and that's the part that really pisses me off you know that on top of the virus and everything it's just you hate doing enough. that work kev huh but you know yeah. what i'm it, tired it, of it. <laughs> it, it's kind of important that hip-hop has voices like a fonte or a kendrick or thought royce and yourself because during these times, you need people to be able to express themselves for those that are not able to do it in the way that you guys do it. And it also helps. Yeah, so you have to you right? have to be extremely eloquent and extremely articulate. And you have to start with a context. Or mm-hmm. else there's nothing you can say online that... It, it, there's, there's no nuance. There's, there's fucking, it's, it's impossible. So I go out there with, with an idea and a point. I try to put the shit in, if I'm doing this, most of the time fucking like talking about fucking Peter Lonzo or whatever the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but if I'm going out there on, 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 on some social shit or some hip hop shit, I'm like, yo, this is the context this is my point. Now you can have the fucking fucking floor because <clears throat> trying to have this type of conversation in a public forum, I like, I guess it'll be public. <laughs> 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 you know, it's still going to get misconstrued and fucking be all over the place. And that's my issue with shit. But whether it's on a uh, record or whether it's on social media, to me, it's always, it's never what you say, it's how you say it. And if you need to get a point across, you can say some deep shit, but if you don't say it the right way, you don't have the reach. Mm-hmm. So how you say right. it on record, how you say it on social media, that means more sometimes than the message. So that is an important Agreed. factor. And this record is fucking unapologetic, ball grabbing, and whatever the fuck. Cause but you're one of the few point, taking chances. And, That's great. Yeah, at this point in my career, like, what else are you supposed to fucking do? It's true. Well, right, look, th- I, I feel almost like I, I need to grab a beer. There's a lot of heavy stuff we talked about. Let's talk about one of the best things to happen in 2020. Let's talk about The Mandalorian. I thought you were going to say Versus. No, fuck versus. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Lindor. <laughs> yeah, baby. That, well, that was 2021. <laughs> 2020. Pharaoh. So while we brought up Lindor real quick, all right. Uh, I mean, God, Steve Cohen, I think I'm going to, you know, bow to him for the rest of my life here. But um, last time you came on our show, we were excited because we signed Jed Lowry that day. Now look where we are. Now look where we are. I don't even think Jed Lowry played one fucking game for the Mets in the last two years. Uh, on name alone, Jed Lowry sounds like the great and white. Now we hype. get Lindor and Carrasco. 
and there's still possibility of getting George Springer. I, I can't wait. You know what, man? I hope the gates of shit of I was about to say Shea Stadium. I hope the gates of City Field are going to be open. You know, the the the, the virus is going to uh, dissipate. Things will go back, and uh, the ballparks will be filled up. And I'm hoping we can catch a game in the future sometime. I'm meditating on that, bro. For real. <laughs> All right, Jay. Sorry. Go ahead. We, no, we, but- we brought up Lindor. We had to do it. No, no, no. That's cool. I mean, I, I Farrow and I always have these baseball talks, but but let's talk about the Mandalorian because I know he shares the same enthusiasm as I do about this show, and I happen to think it was probably the highlight of 2020 and the return of Boba Fett and um, and the return of Luke Skywalker. Nonetheless, I mean, we waited thirty some years for that shit. So. <laughs> And and I know when I watched yeah. that episode, I think I sent you a text, and you I think you said you heard about it or you're waiting or something. But then when you uh-huh, saw uh-huh. it, you, you you pretty much told me you uh, you had to watch it a few times, like your head exploded. Yeah, man. You know, like like we were saying, uh, big up big up to the director who hired the directors. I forget his name. John Favreau uh, was behind it, and then Dave Filoni. Right. Uh, is I don't know if he's a writer. I think Favreau might be the director, but but those two are a team, and and no, those guys are responsible for, in my eyes, saving right. fucking the Star Wars franchise. There you go, and I mean that's exactly what happened with this. And getting older, and I was feeling like, oh, oh man, I'm never gonna get what I want out of shit. They're always gonna make these fucking corny ass movies to sell fucking toys. The fucking five year old and these corny ass characters and these corny ass fucking loves. And I'm never going to get what I want. I'm never going to get the action that I want. And here comes the Mandalorian. <clears throat> so well written. Uh, beautiful that it's a series. The, the length of the shows are amazing. The style of the shows are amazing. It's like. American Western fucking gunsling shit. So you, you get action every show. And then the way they implemented, you know, the, the, the Star Wars backstories and foreshadowing and Mandalorian with Boba Fett and this one and that one. And then you get fucking Luke Skywalker in the season finale. Incredible, man. Incredible. Yeah, man. It was, and you know, who would have who would have thought at one point in his life, Bill Burr was a stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually pretty good. His his debut on the show, they made him really like unlikable, and towards the end, you kind of like, oh, I like this guy. He's he's a good guy. Yeah. But um, speaking of good guys, man, you are definitely one of my favorites. Always uh, gracious with your time and. Um, and I know we're all looking forward to the album. So one more time, let's let people know a magnificent day for an exorcism. It drops when? January 22nd. Uh, magnificent day for exorcism. Uh, Leaf Stone. Uh, super Ugly. Not E. Jones. Marco Polo. Myself. The Magnificent Daryl Jones on drums. The Incomparable. Marcus Machado on guitar. She's uh, got a lot of bite. I think people are gonna love it. So whether you're a Parliament fan, a Zeppelin fan, a Maiden fan, or just you know an organized confusion fan, it sounds like this is uh, there's something for everybody on this record. I think this is a Parliament for 2020. This is a maggot brain 2020, 2021. This is this is some deep ass shit. Yeah, man. This is this shit is this shit slaps and flavor. All right, so but before we head out of here, I just uh I wanna say, do you have any last words? So far, let me just recap. You don't listen to new music because you're too busy writing your own, so we can't really discuss that. We discussed a little bit of politics, we discussed a little bit of Mandalorian. Sounds like you got some stuff in in the pipes with uh De La via the beat miners. Um, I know you and Thought are very competitive. He sends you tracks, you send him tracks. Who is, besides Thought, who is kind of like keeping you on your toes lately? Um, 
Thought is my guy. Thought is my guy because he's free with he's free with music, as you know. Mm. You know, like yeah, shit. Yeah. He'll send me a whole fucking matter of fact, he sent me four projects and was like, do whatever you want. If you feel like you want to move a verse and put your verse there and you have any like, come on, man, who does that? And he's just been on some real still sharp and still shit. And he's been sharing and it's obvious and in the same fervor of the conversation we've been having, it's obvious he knows what he's doing. It's obvious he's doing this for me and he's doing this for you. And he's doing this for fans of lyricism. You know, he's not fucking mistakenly doing what he's doing. You know, he's doing this shit for a reason. And for that, you know, he's just held in the highest regard for, for pushing us all all the time. And, uh, you know, it's a handful of people who want to do that and, and, and who try to do that uh, in the manner that he does it. And so, you know, can't say enough about thought, man. I think you and thought are two parallel universes on opposite sides of the galaxies. That's all I can say. It's like one's daytime, one's nighttime on a, on a parallel universe. And, uh, there's just so much you guys can take from one another. There's so many things that are similar between the two of you. And um, mm. I, 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 he's just cranking out, cranking out so, so much shit. Like, but I think unbelievable. But Pharaoh, like, you're that guy too. I just think you're trying new things. You're in your own head and you're doing things that are a little bit different. And he's in a different place uh, aesthetically. But I, I did say that he takes his time, but when he's on, he's on. Yeah, he's uh, on. He said Pharaoh might take a little bit of time, but yeah. when he when he's in his zone, he's in his zone. Pharaoh, there's going to be so. a time where you actually get that Matrix vibe, where you just kind of go in slow mo and everything is like perfect, and you're going to be able to like be the controller mm-hmm. of your own destiny. You are on that. Cusp. All right, Gandhi, no, I'm slow serious. down. I'm Listen, serious. he's is that guy. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, he's that guy. Can you guy. find a way to slide in uh, a Bryce Harper <laughs> lyric in uh, one oh, of your? Oh, fuck Bryce Harper! Uh, you got Mookie Betts in there. Can you find a way to get a Bryce Harper into 2021 <laughs> for me? Hell no. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that. Thank you again, man, Farrow. You, uh, you've always been, uh, you've always been one of our favorites on the show, and one of my personal favorites. And I have a couch with your name on it. And anytime you want to come to South Florida once this COVID season's over, and we'll catch a, a baseball game. Yeah, man. If this shit, if if if, if this shit turns around, that's one of the things I'm I'm going to do with my life. I've been to uh, a handful of stadiums, but I, I think I'm going to hit a bunch of Stadiums on some baseball shit, <sighs> you know. Yeah, yeah, you and Tyrone come down to uh, what's the Miami Stadium? M- Marlins, Marlins Park. Park. Marlins yeah, Park. Beautiful Marlins Park. Park, man. Yep. Like I said, man, con- congrats and, and good luck and all that good stuff for this album. We're all looking forward to uh, to hearing it. All right, peace. Thank you. All right, be good. Thanks, Farrell. All right. Be sure to check out the website takeapersonalradio.com. Peep the merch. Listen to past episodes. And click that Patreon button and let us know you care. It's not Live Aid, but your donations matter in keeping the quality, content, and overall sound of the show tight and right. You're listening to Take a Personal Radio.